We're going to give our fine choir a couple of minutes to rush down and find a place to get seated. Aren't you happy about all these folks that give their time and work to do this? Amen. I have a message I'm going to share with you this morning. I believe the Lord has spoken to me about it. I started thinking about it early in the week, and then I spent some time on it, and, and as I got to looking into various things, about, I realized there was no way I could preach fully on the topic that I chose or that the Holy Spirit helped me choose and do a complete job of it. A long time ago, I was in a, when I was in a, one of the universities, I don't remember which one, but I do remember having a conversation with some people about a speech that a man made about a very involved and complicated subject. And in that speech, he just simplified, brought everything down to a simple level, and it was over. I, I complained to the group I was in, and I said, well, the only problem with it is such a profound subject, he just oversimplified it so much. And one of the persons commented, well, sometimes when things are so difficult or so complicated or so involved, you have to use the debate technique of bringing simplification to it, and sometimes it's oversimplifying it so people can grasp some point about that which is so involved. I don't know why I remembered that, but I thought about that when I was getting ready for this message today. I want to preach you today on what is God's name. And that's a, that's a bigger subject than I thought it was when I first chose it and started reading and studying for it. Because there's so many names of God, and so profound are His names, so really eternal in impact are His names that it would be impossible to put it all in one subject. So I have chosen today to use that technique I just spoke to you about of oversimplifying a vastly complicated subject to bring you some salient point of truth from that subject. So today my topic is, what is God's name? And I tell you in the beginning I won't be able to cover it all. So I'll go as far as I can, and I've chosen certain things about it that I want to present that I am trusting will be a great blessing to you. So this morning, everybody who is ready to receive the Word, who knows that we're talking today about the Word and the Word only, lift them up high as you can. God's Word is lifted up. Oh, wow, look at this. This is getting better and better, folks. God's Word is high and lifted up, and His train fills the temple. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So today, we will camp around God's Word and allow the vision of His wisdom and experience of His power, the greatness of His glory, to invade our hearts with truth and cause us to understand better than we ever have before how wonderful is our God. What is God's name? Father, it's a subject that we cannot cover. We find ourselves so little compared to your greatness, so small compared to your huge eternal presence. But we ask, Lord, that you will visit us by the ministry of the teacher, the Holy Spirit, that he will bring truth to our hearts, understanding to our minds, so that we can receive the word you have for us today, and walk in the truth and the power of it in days to come. 
And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. What is God's name? Well, I'll tell you this one thing. I know some things are not God's name. And I don't care what anybody tells you today, his name is not Allah. The God we serve doesn't have that name. It's not Buddha. It's not Krishna. It's not Confucius. It's not any name other than the names that the Bible ascribes to him. This eternal Father God who has chosen to invest his life into his creation so that through his Son, Jesus Christ, manifest as a babe in a manger, declared Savior by a death on the cross, proclaimed Redeemer and eternal promise keeper by resurrection from the dead, that God has invested in us the truth of himself and the fullness of the power, presence, and spirit of God can dwell in our lives for great victory when we, cho- when we choose to receive that from him. I looked at all the names of God, and I, I, I will tell you, uh, my mind got overflowing with so much of it. I'll just give you one example of, of why this becomes difficult. In the uh, ninth chapter of Isaiah, and the prophecy of Jesus is being given. A son is born, the whole son is given, the son is born, the virgin is going to perceive you. Remember that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, you can go there and read it. And when it comes to the fulfillment of that promise, speaking of Jesus, it says his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's just a part of the names of Jesus. Only a few of the names of God can really be visited in one short period of time. But I want to bring to you three particular things that God says he is by the declaration of his name. When he gives us a name and says, this is my name, we know that that is a revelation of the nature of God, the character of God. And it will help us to see him in understanding some of the things that he has used to declare himself. In the early part of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, and and immediately following that, there are two words that are used for God's name. Attached to the word Jehovah, which is a a, uh, planned transliteration of Yahweh, or actually printed in the Hebrew, Y-W, and, and uh, A-H, and, and it doesn't put the whole thing out there before you just by seeing that part. But the two names that are used for God in the early part of Genesis are Elohim and El Shaddai. You've heard those probably. Jehovah Elohim, my creator, my creator, the beginning of it all. Before anything existed, God existed, God lived to make the creation that he's given us in this world, including creating man and giving us a place of dominion in the earth that he has created. So Elohim means my creator. El Shaddai is God Almighty. 
So he reveals himself as the almighty God. And, and, and when we hear and are taught the things about creation and the things about the beginning of the world and beginning of the universe, most people teaching that do not bring a supernatural expression into that. They do not make that based on a supernatural event. That's some great thing that happened out in space. Sometimes there was a big bang, combustion of, of parts of the universe that came together, and out of that we got the earth, and out of that we got man. And I've always found that as a student in a university, as a student listening to it in science classes, I always found that difficult to believe. It seems to me that there's too much order. There's just too much put together in intricate ways to make it possible for that to have happened for man to have come into existence and the world to have come into existence, for that matter, in that fashion. It seems to me that it requires, and I'm not the only level of my intellect, but there are men and women of greater intellect than mine have recognized this same thing and believe the same thing by faith. I believe that an almighty God, revealed by himself, declaring who he is, the king of glory, the majesty of the universe, the supreme one of all of creation who is the beginning of it all, who says in the book of Colossians that Jesus Christ, the expression of God manifest to us in this world, is before all things, before the creation of all things, that was Jesus Christ. And at the beginning of time he was there, holding now all things together by the magnificence of his presence and by the adhesion of his power. Jesus Christ is a superior creator, maintainer, sustainer, and the, and, and the one who keeps the equivalence balanced in the universe. Jesus Christ, above all and beyond all, in the revelation of Father God in the person of himself. Jehovah, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Almighty God. And then, in another place, God reveals himself in a way that perhaps becomes even more personal to us. Because the, the, the further we go with God, and the more we see this revelation of himself that he brings to us, the more we realize that he is bringing his presence and the revelation of himself to us to make things about him more real to us in a personal way. So here's where God revealed himself in, a, in another way. When God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, told him he to go out and to take his son Isaac, who was the son of the promise, the son that God had given him, and in a divine, miraculous fulfillment of promise, God had given him Isaac, his son. And now God is speaking to Abraham and telling him to go out to a mountain in Moriah, go up to the top of the mountain, and there to sacrifice Isaac to him as an offering to God. Abraham, in obedience to God, can you imagine what it took to exact that obedience in his heart? How much questioning he had from hearing the voice of God? How much uncertainty he must have had? How much grief he must have had? How many questions he must have had? I found it so difficult to comprehend. I, I, I could not... I, I, I remember one time getting ready to preach on that, and, and I know the spiritual representation that is this symbol of Jesus dying on the cross and then raising himself from the dead. And the book of Hebrews says that Abraham came to the point. 
he came to the point of believing that if he sacrificed Isaac, God would raise him up. From death, God would raise him up. Now, how could he possibly believe that? And then I found over in the book of Galatians that the Bible says there came a time when the gospel was preached to Abraham. When God made him the promise that his seed would be like the stars of the heaven and the sands of the seashores. In that occasion, Father God preached the gospel to Father Abraham. That's what Galatians says. Makes it very clear that that's what happened. So somewhere... In some way, in his own magnificent way of communicating with us when we are surrendered to him and his will, God spoke to Abraham and told him, if this young man, this boy of yours, this son of the promise that I gave you that came from my miracle work, if that son is sacrificed as an offering to me and obedience to me, he will be raised up from the dead again. So God preached the gospel of Abraham to him at the time he made those promises to him long before the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Abraham had to believe that to be willing to offer the sacrifice of his son. And then, of course, God stopped that. And as Abraham said as they were marching up the mountain, and Isaac said, where is the lamb for the offering? I see the wood for the fire. I see the coals. But where is the lamb that we're going to offer? And Abraham said to his son, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. So when God stopped his hand from plunging that dagger into the body of Isaac, when God stopped his hand, they heard a rustling in the bushes nearby. And up on the top of that scraggly mountain, where hardly anything showed signs of life, there they pulled out a ram from the bushes. And God had given them, unexpectedly, not a part of the flock, a lamb or a ram who had slipped away from them all and was there ready to be offered as a sacrifice to fulfill the type of the blood being shed for the sins of mankind. And so when God showed them that sacrifice, they revealed, God also revealed to them his name. For he said at that occasion that he is Jehovah Jireh, we say. Sometimes better pronounced Jehovah Yirah. We sing it, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides. The Lord is a provider. God gives. I hate that song that says the Lord gives and he takes away. He gives and he takes away. I can't remember which one it is. We ever start to sing it, mark it off. He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. I'm not interested in talking about what God takes away. God is a great giver. God is a supplier. God is our supply in every way. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who gives us in his provision beyond anything that we ever could expect, beyond anything we ever certainly could deserve, and giving us all that we need because God is our provider. And I'm going to tell you, my friends, put it right down to the level where we live. It's true today. It's true today. You may get a state from the, you may get a check from the state. Check from the government, but I do get something put in my bank account every now and then. Now, the government is not like God. They do give and take away. Every time I get something from them, I get a, something later on, tell them, oh, I owe more than they gave me, almost. So, if you get a check from the government, be glad and spend it as soon as you can. God's not a provider like that, but He is a provider. And I want to tell you, your future, your protection, your means of living the rest of your life in this world is not dependent on the government of the United States. 
It's not dependent on the state of Florida. It's not dependent on any government agency. If anything comes to you through that means, it is God who has ordained it and opened that channel for it to come to you. God may use many means, but He is your source. He is your provider. And everything that comes to you, you need to look at it as this is something that God sent. This is a letter from God. This is a check from the portals of glory. This is a deposit from the treasure house of Father God. Hallelujah. He's our source. He's our supplier. And He's our provider because He said so. Because He said so. He said, I am your provider. And then when the, when the children of Israel were being delivered from the hand of Pharaoh, and finally that tight-fisted hand was pried loose by the judgments of God, and Pharaoh had to let God's people go. They walked out of Egypt. They marched across the Red Sea and found themselves deposited in the location before they crossed over Jordan into the Promised Land. And for a long time, 40 years, they were there. But in that period of time, God spoke to them through their, their servant, God's servant, and Moses, God spoke, and God spoke to them. And he told them in Exodus 15, 26, that he would take care of them. I'm paraphrasing this now. He said, I will meet your needs. I'll take care of your sicknesses and your diseases. I'll take care of all the things that come upon you to debilitate your life and things that are destructive and negative that bring you down. I will be your Jehovah Rophe. I will be your healer. God, our healer. Jehovah Rapha, sometimes it's spelled R-A-P-H-A, sometimes it's spelled R-O-P-H-E. You're Jehovah Rophe. I am God, your healer. And your health and victory and deliverance is in my hands. Praise God. Praise God. I claim this every day of my life. I claim this every day. I don't think I'd have anything that I really need to be healed from. Because God can't heal age, so. Well, I guess he could, but he never has been known to do that. That's just a part of God's natural progression of life. So, But God does take care of us. I pray every day, Lord, I thank you and I believe you for divine health. I believe that you're going to keep my body well, that you're going to keep my mind sharp, that you're going to keep me able to move about and do the things that I want to do and need to do for your glory and to serve you. And I pray that your hand will be upon me, Lord, in every way. Don't let any danger come to me. Don't let the devil succeed in any attack against me. Don't let me fall for any broken bones. If I start to fall, catch me and hold me up. Take care of me. Protect me. Watch over me. And help me where I can do what you want me to do as long as I can breathe and as long as I live. And so far, God's doing that. Because God is our healer. And it isn't just the fact that God can heal the disease that you have now. God can touch you, heal you, make you well, make you whole, keep you able to do the things that you have committed to do for the glory of God and to the building of His kingdom. Because He is Jehovah Rophe. He is our healer and our deliverer. He is our help giver to make us whole and well. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't profess to be able to explain everything about this to you, but I do know. I do know what God's Word says. 
and I choose to believe God's Word more than what the feelings in my body tell me. I choose to believe what God's Word says more than what somebody else says they see. Amen. Well, you don't look well today. Somebody says, you're not looking too well. Are you kind of tired? I say, well, I'm not that I really don't, but I'm inside, inside. I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me, Lord. I'm just as well as I've ever been. My mind's just as sharp as it's ever been. I can say things that I couldn't say a long time ago. I can say them better today than I could then. Because, God, you are my healer. You're the one who keeps me. Not just heals me from diseases, but keeps me whole and well. And that's the healing God. That's the divine visitation of the healing power of God in our lives. Yes, you've come into stumbling blocks. And you've met some obstacles along the way. But the truth of the matter is, you're getting better today than you were yesterday. And the time you were before that. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. And some of you people are sitting here as a testimony of that. I remember when you had to come in bringing oxygen with you, Brother Jim. Yeah. 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 And then and you kept getting better, you kept getting better. And instead of putting you in hospice, they put you in church. Glory to God. Because God, Jehovah Rapha, He's our healer. And that means not just healing us from disease, that means keeping us, holding us in the divine help that He's prepared for us. And I say to you today, if you're struggling with that, believe God. Stand on His promises. Trust Him. Expect God to touch your life, your body, your mind, your spirit in a powerful way and bring you up to the total victory that He's planned for you. Psalm 103 says this. The psalmist wrote, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Everything, everything is within me. Every ounce of my energy, all of my ability to proclaim, everything. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases. That's the God we praise. That's the praise we give to Him. God, I am walking in your health. Touch me, Lord, and bring me back to the place that I need to be if I'm not there. But give me a mighty revelation of your miracle power and your strength and glory in my body to make me whole, healed, well, and able to walk with you and run with you to the very end of the race. Glory to God. Then the Gentile woman came to Jesus. I've always liked this. When the Gentile woman came to Jesus and she wanted healing for her daughter. And she kind of interrupted what he had going on. And Jesus spoke, and it seemed like he spoke to her in a harsh way. But it was to stir her faith. He said to her, when she asked for healing, she said, He said, You're a Gentile. Salvation is of the Jews. This is he said, We don't take this is what really seemed kind of insulting. He said, We don't take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Now most of us we heard something said like that, we'd get up and puff and walk out and say, Well, that's the way you feel about it. you just keep your old healing. <laughs> but she didn't do that. She took the home. she knew she was in the presence of God. She knew she was in the presence of the Son of God. She knew she was in the presence of spiritual power and spiritual reality. She didn't do that. So she said, Truth, Lord. I know that's true. I'm just a Gentile. Low down on the rung of the ladder. That's that's who I am. But she said, I recognize that the bread is healing for the children of God. But she said, to use your phrase, Lord, as a dog, even the dogs eat the crumbs. 
that fall from the master's table. I'll take the healing in your way, Lord. I'll take the deliverance the way you give it to me. I'll accept it in the way that you visited upon me. I'll not put demands on you and put you in a straitjacket and say, you've got to do it this way. I'll say, whatever way you do it, Lord, I'll take your way. Whatever way you give me the answer, I'll take that answer. Whatever means you use to bring me revelation, I'll take that revelation. I'll not worry about the means. I'll not worry about the structure. I'm going to worry about, if anything, I'm going to be concerned about the results and believe you, God, for the results. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. can't wait to go back and listen to it on the website. <laughs> Let's see here what time. Okay. Let me check my time. All right. If you want to know why his word, all that I'm telling you is God's word. This is what God says about himself. So how can we trust this word? How do I, this word that we lean on, depend on, know is valid. How, how do we know that? Because this is what the Bible says. Psalm 138, verse 2. The Amplified Version puts it this way. For you have magnified your word together with your name. The New Living Translation says this. For your promises are backed up by all the honor of your name. We read that sometimes that God has exalted his word above his name. That is what the King James says. But the meaning is this. That the word of God has value and is true Because God backs it up with all the honor of his name. God's name is on the line for all of his word to be true and for his promises to be fulfilled. You see, God's name is on the line. He said he would stand behind his word. He'd validate it by the honor of his name. And if God doesn't keep his word, then God's a liar. And the Bible says God is not like a man. He's not any kind of man that he could lie. God is God and therefore cannot lie. So all of his word is veracity. All of his word is truth. All of his word is confirmed. And all of his word will be fulfilled because God honors his word with the honor of his name. And that's what stands to support it. That's the foundation of his word honoring it by the power and the glory and the magnificence of his his own name. He has secured his promises, secured his word to us by the power of his own name, by the honor of his own name, by the glory and the majesty of his own name. He has invested that in his word into every promise. And because of that, everything that God has said in his word is true. That's why when we used to sing as little children, I didn't sing as a little child because I wasn't anywhere to sing about Jesus as a little child. But I heard little children singing it later on. And maybe we sung it in somewhere that I went on vacation Bible school. It's a, word, it's a little song I've always remembered. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, all the blessings of his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. And when God says who he is, that's a revelation to you and me of himself. When God declares his very nature in the superiority of his name, he is saying to us, 
here I am, ready to be tested, ready to be proven, ready to be tried. Obey my word. Trust me and see that I will pour out upon you blessings beyond your capacity to contain. I have more to give you than you have the ability to receive right now. And I'm going to pour that out upon you in great abundance as you walk with me in trust and obedience to me. Hallelujah. You believe it? You believe it? Say amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus, Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. Glory to God. All the way through the Bible. A name of victory, of power, of overcoming. Glory to God. Meeting every challenge in the power of God. And we can do it. We do it in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord.